Well, how are you guys doing this morning? Good? Yeah? We got, we got, uh, we got some mothers out there? No, okay, all right. It took, it took the moms a while because they're reaching over and, and making sure that it gets hit. Um, hey, uh, happy Mother's Day. Today we're glad that, your mo- that you moms are here with us uh, today. We hope that you have an awesome, awesome day. Um, guys and, and kids, I guess, um, or all of us that have moms that are, that are still around, hey, uh, it's a little harder this year. It's a little tougher on us because we can't just take mom out to eat and feel good about ourselves, okay? That doesn't work this year. So uh, we got to go above and beyond. Hopefully you're doing that. You guys got a plan for your mom? Okay, six, seven, okay, seven of you. Well, if you don't have a plan, you need to get on it, all right, because the day's half over, half over already, and, uh, and it is Mother's Day. So, uh, hey, we've been in our series called Isolated But Not Alone, and we've been looking at the book of Philippians, which is just a letter that the Apostle Paul writes to this church in this huge city called Philippi. And uh, today what I want to do is I want to look at maybe one of the, well, what I believe is one of the biggest problems in the church today. And when, um, when we're looking at this through, throughout the message today for the, for the next 25 minutes or so, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself, is this me? Do I struggle with this? And do I have a problem with this, with what we're going to be talking about? Uh, see, so many of us, what we are really, really, really good at is we are really good at uh, looking at other people and seeing the faults in them, and we are terrible at looking at the faults or finding the faults within us. All right, Jesus talks about that. Jesus says, "Hey, we're you know we're we're not good at that." But for this morning or for the next twenty five minutes, I really want us to focus in on ourselves. Okay, you can't change other people, but you can change yourself. I really want us to focus in on ourselves and really examine yourself to figure out if this is something. That, uh, that you struggle with, okay? And all of us, um, I believe, struggle with this at least, at least a little bit. And, he, and here it is, all right? There are a lot of us who are really good at playing church, all right? There's a lot of us who are really good at playing church, meaning we do all the Christian stuff. On the outside, we look good. Uh, on the outside, I mean, people, they come up to us, they ask us for advice. All right, we look spiritually mature, all right, um, um, people look up to us, and we value that. But on the inside, a lot of us are like, it's like we're rotting. But we look good, and we have a great reputation, but in reality, most of it is fake. We put on, we put on a, good, a good show. Now, Paul, he actually addresses these types of people, which is really so many of us. We see this in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to start in the middle of verse 4. This is what he says. He says, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in his flesh. Basically, hey, if anyone else thinks that he has grounds for confidence in doing good stuff, okay. Anybody think that, you know, they're confident because of all this religious stuff that they do. He says, I have more. And then he starts to list off these things that, uh, that, that that he's done. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. He says, I was a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law. He's like, I was blameless. See, what Paul's saying is he's describing his past and he's describing these things that used to be so important to him. He was like, I was a lot like some of you. In fact, I was the best. 
Right? He's like, hey, if anyone else thinks that they can match what I had, like, you bring all of your good stuff that you've done or stuff that you have accomplished, you bring it to me. He says, when it comes to religion, he's like, bring it. I challenge you to bring it. In the Greek, it's almost like he's doing, like, uh, in the original language, it's like some Greek trash talk here. Um, he, he's saying, you bring all your good stuff, and we'll compare it to mine, and I will knock you out. And he has his list. He says, I had the family heritage. I had the social status. I had the Bible knowledge. I had the religious activity. I had the moral lifestyle. And above all, you couldn't look at me. From the outside, I was completely blameless. See, what Paul's doing is he's showing us that in the world of religious activity, man, he'd smoke any one of us. Paul's saying, hey, not one of you are more externally righteous than I was. All right, bring anything you've ever memorized, bring anything you've ever done, and I'll make you look like a fool. You think you're a good person? You got some, you got some verses memorized? Paul would say, what a joke. Paul, we know, he was a Pharisee, and one of the things that the Pharisees had to do, they had to, they had to memorize the entire Pentateuch, okay, the first five books of the Old Testament. All right, now, I don't know about you, if you've ever tried to read through those. Actually, lately I've been reading through the book of Leviticus, and it is difficult, all right? You guys tried that before? Anybody out there? No? Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, you know, it's hard, all right? A lot of us, we don't even read through those books because it's, because it's complicated, and there's other books, where, you know, that we like so much better, all right? And Paul's like, no, I've read through those books so many times, I had it memorized word for word. I mean, I had it down. I was super, super religious. All right, see, Paul, he's like the LeBron James of religion at that, at that point in his life. And we, we're like the guy who has a decent game at the YMCA. All right, that's, that's who we are. I mean, that's the difference between us and Paul. I mean, think through, think through Paul's list. Right? Family heritage social status, Bible knowledge, religious activity, a moral lifestyle. I mean, those are all good things, right? I mean, those are all good. But Paul, his point is he's saying, hey, these good things were keeping me from Jesus. Right? Basically, he's telling us that it's possible to love your family and take your family to church and, and treat your mom right on Mother's Day and have a good reputation and, and have biblical knowledge and, and not just be involved in church, but actually be active in church. And on top of that, you can have good, moral, good character and, uh, and good morals. And at the end of your life, you can come to the end of your life and you can realize it was all just wasted. It was for nothing. By the way, if you look at somebody in life, you, you, you know, you go throughout life in the workplace or maybe at church or, you know, wherever it might be in the family, and you think to yourself, well, I'm a better Christian than them. I mean, it's you. This is, you're the person exactly who, who Paul is talking about. Or maybe, you know, we, maybe we don't say I'm a better Christian than them. We, you know, we have more Christian talk, right? We say, well, I'm more spiritually mature than them, <laughs> I mean, if you ever think that about anybody else, whether it's true or not, it doesn't really matter, all right, because you're comparing yourself to the other person. If you're comparing yourself like that in that way, I mean, this is, you're the exact person who Paul is describing here. 
See, somewhere along the way, we have been convinced that good things in our life is what matters. And I'm convinced that it's one of the most effective strategies of the adversary. See, Paul, he's saying, hey, like many of you, this was me. Like, I, like I, I struggled with this. I had everything down. I was going through the motions. I knew religion like the back of my hand. He says in the next verse, in verse 7, he says, But everything that was gained to me, basically, but everything, all that good stuff, all my religious, all that religious stuff, or all my religious accomplishments, he says, I have considered to be a loss because of Jesus. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all those things. And I consider those things as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one as that is through faith in Jesus. The righteousness from God based on faith. He says, my goal, my goal in life is to know Him. See, Paul's saying, hey, Jesus is so much better than being religious. Right? Knowing Jesus is so much better than being religious. And that should be our goal in life as Christians. I mean, that's, that should be our goal, right? To sh- we should, our goal is to actually know Him. See, one thing that we've talked about before is, you know, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Him. All right, we understand that. We, we, we get that. A lot of us, we have all this Bible knowledge. We, we know about Jesus. We can tell you stories about Jesus. We can tell you what Jesus said. But, but some of us, we don't, we don't actually know Him. See, our goal is to know Him. It's not to live an external, you know, lifestyle that, that where we only care about how we look to other people. Paul's saying that's worthless. He's saying who cares? I mean, who cares if you memorize the entire New Testament? Or who cares if, if you have, you know, if you're in every Bible study that our church offers? Or who cares if you haven't missed a Sunday, you know, because of this COVID thing? But, you know, even with the COVID thing, you haven't missed anything. Or you watch online every single week. You know, who cares if you've never seen a questionable movie? Who cares um, if, if you've never said those words or been to those places or never done this or never done that? But if you don't really know Jesus, it's a complete waste of your life. I mean, your, your life is wasted. Your life is, is meaningless. See, all that morality, all that perfection, Paul says, is like dung to him. Next to actually knowing Jesus. Now, I was looking up the word dung, okay? It's not a word that I ever use. Um, but uh, I was looking that up, and in the Greek specifically, and trying to figure out exactly what Paul is trying to say here. And it's actually like, an, like a vulgar term in Greek, which isn't something I expected to find. And it's basically, Paul, he's calling it, all the good stuff that we do, he's calling it garbage or trash. And it's even more than that, it's even nastier than that. It's like human excrement, okay? Basically, I think the closest word in English that we could come to this word in the Greek is actually probably the word crap, okay? Um, if not something worse. That's what Paul's saying. I remember um, uh, years and years ago, 
as I was uh, at the Fremont campus, I was a youth pastor, one thing that I did was I managed the custodians. And so if there was ever any issue that happened on a Sunday morning, people would come find me, and then I would have to try to figure it out. And I remember one Sunday, somebody <laughs> came up and, and grabbed me, and they said, hey, we got a problem in the men's bathroom. You, whenever they say bathroom, you know it's never good. And so I go down there, and I look. I remember opening up the door, and it was like something exploded in there, okay? You, you know how we've all had experiences kind of like this, not this exact experience, but, you know, when you, when you open up the door or something, and, and, or, you know, and, and it just stinks. It was like a giant, like, cloud of stench, like, just came out, and it just hit me. Hit me hard, all right? And I'm like gagging, and I'm trying to walk through, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's gross. And I remember looking in there, and it was like some, it, somebody just didn't, you know, the toilet just didn't overflow. The toilet overflowed, and it's like somebody took their hands, and they were doing like, like finger painting on the walls all over the place. Like there's no way it was an accident. Actually, I think I know who it was, and, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. And so if I ever see him again, ugh. But, uh, but it was everywhere. Okay, it was disgust. I've never seen such a mess in my entire life. And so I was not a custodian. I was the manager of custodians, which in this case was a good thing. So I didn't have to clean it. So I ran and got one of my high school custodians, and I still feel guilty about this to this day. I remember pulling him out of his like high school Sunday school class. I'm like, hey man, um, got good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is I'm about to give you a story and a memory that you'll have for the rest of your life. The bad news is it's going to be like one of your worst stories and memories ever. And uh, we went in there, and I was like, hey, man, you got to clean. You got to clean this up. Like, service is going to end in like 20 minutes. You got 20 minutes to like wipe everything down and disinfect everything and get everything up. Still feel a little bit guilty about that today. But, uh, but it, was t- it was nasty. I've never seen anything so nasty in my entire life, right? See, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, Hey, compared to Jesus, your good works, all the good stuff that you've done is like that bathroom seat. Right? It's disgusting. It's nauseating. It's nasty. It should make us want to gag in a sense. See, Paul, he's saying, hey, loving Jesus, knowing Jesus, worshiping Jesus is so much better than these good things that we do. And a lot of us, we put all our stock, all our stake into this good stuff in acting religious, and it means nothing. See, it's significant what he's saying because it changes the way, or it's the opposite way of really how a lot of us naturally think. See, reading the Bible is good, but it's not the point. Being a good person is good, but it's not the point. Having a good reputation, going to church is good. It's something we should be doing, but it's not the point. See, Jesus is the point. These things should surround our life as we pursue Jesus. Like, they should be a part of it. But doing these things to impress others, or even doing these things to impress God, Paul's like, it's garbage. It's trash. It's nothing. It's disgusting. It's nauseating. See, our goal is to know Him. Our goal is to actually know Him. Nothing else really matters. In verse 12, he says, 
Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. He's like, I'm not perfect. Like, I haven't reached my goal. I don't know Jesus the way that I want to know Jesus, and, and, I'm, and I'm not there yet. So not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, take hold of this goal, because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. He says, brothers and sisters, or this is him getting personal. He's like, guys, or friends, I don't consider myself to, be, to have taken a hold of it. I haven't accomplished this goal, but one thing I do, right, he says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, hey, my goal, my main goal in life is to know Jesus. He's like, I, I haven't arrived yet. At this point when Paul is writing this letter, remember he's in a Roman prison. He's actually at the end of his life. He has been a Christian for about 30 years now. Right? And think of all the stuff that Paul has done. He's been a Christian for 30 years. He's done all this stuff. You know, he, he, he's written, you know, most of the New Testament. You know, God uses him to write most of the New Testament. He started churches all throughout the Roman Empire. I mean, he's a, he's a church leader in the early church. He's one of the famous, most famous Christians of all time. And Paul's like, I haven't arrived yet. See, we should never, ever be satisfied with where we're at in our relationship with God. We should never be content. Because contentment leads to being complacent. See, if God of the Bible is an inexhaustible fountain of joy and life, I mean, think about it just for a second. I mean, shouldn't we all be like, a little frustrated. I mean, he, if God is infinite and we can know him infinitely, I mean, shouldn't we all be a little bit frustrated? Meaning, meaning, you know, we, we should never be satisfied. Like, we're always craving more and more and more. I don't even think it's even possible to have, you know, to be satisfied with the, with the in our relationship with God, with the infinite God. And if we are... You know what our issue is, is we're settling with, for a mediocre Christian life. See, I think that's a lot of our problems. I think a lot of times we just get, we just start settling for a mediocre Christian life, a mediocre relationship with our Creator. Paul's like, no, that's not we, what we as Christians do. He's saying, I'm not there. Right? Like, I know God, but, but I'm, not, I'm not there. There is so much more. It's interesting, a guy, with all the stuff that God uses Paul to do, right? I mean, he's a guy who knows Jesus. Like, if anybody knows Jesus, it's, it's Paul. And he's, here's a guy who knows Jesus saying, I want to know Jesus. Now, how do we do this? What do we do? How do we get there? Paul says that in verse 13. He says, this is what I do. I forget what is behind and I reach forward to what is ahead. See, for a lot of us, right, I think our past is what stands in the way between us and God. I think this is a big issue. I think a lot of us, is, it's some, what, something that we've done in our past and in our minds, somewhere we've, we've 
gotten the impression that, you know, I can't ever have a great relationship with God. Right? Like, my relationship with God, it could be okay, but it's never going to be great. Like, it's never going to be, like, really good because, I'm, you know, I'm just not that good of a person. See, Paul, it's interesting, in his life, he has both types of people beat. See, some of us, we're so confident in what we've done, and we think we're good with God, but we're actually not. But then others of us, it's like we, we, you know, we look back on our past, we're like, oh, man, I'm so messed up. I've done so many bad things. God can't forgive me, or, you know, I can have a relationship with God, and, but it's just not going to be good because I've done this and I've done that. Yeah, and Paul's got both types of people beat. Right on the outside, Paul was awesome. He had everything that a religious person, you know, would, would, would dream of having in that culture, okay, which we've looked at. But he also, in, on the inside, Paul admits later in his life that he was a terrible, terrible person. Remember, remember what he's done? Remember the guy named Stephen? Stephen was, um, he was part of the early church as the church was just starting out. And, uh, and Stephen goes right down into Jerusalem, which was the main city in, in uh in Israel at that time, and still is, and he walks in, and he stands in the street, and he starts preaching, right? I think you know if it's a good sermon, if they, you know, if they want to put you to death, which is exactly what happens, right? So they, uh, he, he starts preaching, they, it says the crowd covers their ears, they run at him, they drag him out of the city, and they throw him, and they, and they start throwing rocks at him until he dies. They stone him to death. Right, remember what they did? They took off their clothes when they were throwing rocks at him, probably, so they could throw it harder, you know, and, um, and it says they, they took off their coats and they set them next to this young guy named Saul, next to his feet, laid him at his feet. And what was Saul doing? Smiling. The Bible says he approved of what was happening. They approved, he approved of this murder. Actually, he didn't just approve, it says he heartily approved. Right? He heartily agreed with it. The Bible describes Paul as, um, as somebody who is breathing murderous threats against the church. Paul hated the church. He hated anything that had anything to do with Jesus. He d- his, you know, um, his opinion was that all, these, all of these new Christians, all these people who followed Jesus should be put to death. They all deserve to die. I don't know your past. I don't know what you've done. I don't know how you've, you know, messed up. But I'm guessing you've never done that. I'm guessing you've never been a part of murder. See, Paul's like, hey, you want to talk about those who were violent against Jesus? You want to talk about those who resisted Jesus? I did that. You want to talk about uh, those who were kicking open doors? I did that. You want to talk about dragging people out into the streets? I did that. You want to talk about seeking government permission to oppress people? He's like, I did that. You want to talk about heartily approving murder? I did that. Paul would say, my past is full of the worst of the worst. Actually, another, um, another time in Scripture, Paul describes himself as the chief of sinners. He's like, I'm like the worst of the worst. Like the chief of the worst. But here he's saying, but I moved on from my past. And I'm not thinking about all that stuff that I've done. Yeah, I've messed up. I'm not thinking about all that stuff. I am moving on and I'm reaching for the prize. By the way, even when we are going through hard times, 
and life isn't going our way, we can still reach forward. We, we, we get that, right? I think a lot of us, we take a time out when, when something bad's happening in our life and our life's not, you know, going the, the way that it should or the way that we think it should. It's like, it's, you know, sometimes it's like we're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this for now. Right? Look at Paul. Right? Where's, where's Paul when he's writing this letter? I mean, he's in prison. At this point, he's been in prison for almost two years, and, and this is at the end of his life, and, and he's been handcuffed, literally chained to a guard for almost two years at this point, 24-7. He doesn't, the chains haven't come off. Talk about, you know, someone in a trial. Talking about hard times. Talking about life not going your way. See, the worst thing you could do when, when your life turns hard is to bolt or give up, throw in the towel. See, Christians, we don't do that. Right, we're running a marathon. Right, it's not a fast race to knowing God. It's not just like, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really work on it this week, and by the end of this week, you know, I'm going to know God real good, and I'm, and I'm going to be good, and then we get to the end of the week, it's like, oh, look at me, I'm done. Like, I know God. It's not how it works. Right, God's not, you know, God's not some weak little God that's like we could figure all of them out. That's not, he, he's an infinite God. The fact that we can't, you know, all, ever be satisfied with God really shows us how powerful God actually is. That's a marathon. We keep running and running and running. See, some of us, we need to just sit down and we need to, to you know, make the decision that, hey, I'm going to move on, I'm going to move past my past. See, some of you have been playing church for too long. You've learned Christianese. You know when to bow your head. You know when to pray. You know when to look at your Bible. All right, you've got it down. Like you think, you know, just because I go to church, just because I do some of this, you know, good stuff, you know, me and God, we're cool. But in your heart, it's just you. It's just your lonely, empty self. And some of you, you even use certain theologies in the Bible to justify it. Others, we're like the exact opposite, right? We're, we're, maybe we've, we've given up. And really when that happens, it's like maybe you've bought into the lie that you can never have a great relationship with God because of something that has happened in your past. And in your heart, it's just you. Your lonely, empty self. See, both types of people have settled for a mediocre Christian life, if you're even a Christian at all. See, playing religion is worthless compared to knowing, compared to knowing him. Being stuck in the past, I mean, it, it's, it's worthless. And, and the honest truth is that some here, we need to, need to give your life over to him. Because if you were to really search yourself and dig down deep in your heart, you'd realize that never done it. Some of you, you just got to take five minutes from this afternoon. You need to get right with God. You need to go to God and just say, you know what, God? You know, I want you in my life. Like maybe you've never done that before. Or you just need to surrender yourself over to him. Or maybe it's a certain situation in your life where you're like, I'm giving you the situation. I can't fix it. Some of them, you need to give God your past. Some of you need to give God, some of us, we need to give God all this religious stuff that we've done. 
that is worthless and garbage. See, it's not about doing religious stuff. It's not about doing good things. And it's not about the bad things that you've done in the past. See, our goal is to know Him. And we shouldn't be satisfied with where we're at with God. I mean, we shouldn't be satisfied with it. And so we need to forget our past achievements. And we need to forget our past mistakes. And we need to move on. We need to move forward, reaching for that prize, that goal of actually knowing Jesus, who loves you and who saved you. And it costs them something to do that. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we ask that you would help us do this. God, we ask that uh, you would help us to know you. We want to know you. Help us not to be satisfied with the relationship with God that we, the relationship with you that we have. God, you cared so much that you came down and you died for us and you didn't have to, but you did it anyway out of love for us. And God, we thank you for that. Help us to move past our past. Help us not to put stock into all this good stuff that we've done. God, help us to look towards you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.